Welcome to the Jesus Plus Nothing podcast with Parker and Jesse Green. We left New York City and moved across the country to Southern California to risk everything in pursuit of following a real Jesus. Yeah, each week we'll chat about what it means to really follow Jesus and exchange religion for a new life. We believe Jesus is better than you could possibly think and that your life shouldn't suck. <laughs> so this is our podcast. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Jesus Plus Nothing podcast with Parker and Jesse Green. I'm excited and also somewhat hesitant to continue talking about this conversation, (laughs) Um, mostly because there's so much emotion connected to the deconstruction movement. Um, And uh, I just know a lot of eyebrows get raised when you're just straight up calling something demonic. And so I... You said that? Indeed. So I just think sometimes it's good to call things for what they are. And sometimes some things are from God and some things are not. And I really think that this is a big topic to talk about. And I just have been loving the comments and the messages and the emails we've been receiving from you guys. But I just want to keep talking about this subject because honestly, there's a lot here. And so We talked about this last week, but I want to talk about this now this week, where this even comes from and how this is kind of just not a new idea, but we can see it all throughout Scripture. Right. So this week, we're just going to talk about what this movement or this group of people says are the benefits of deconstruction or the new ideas of deconstruction that they're bringing to the table and expose them as best we can as the same dirty old tricks that have been around for a long time. Yeah, so let's just talk about that. And if you you don't know anything about this deconstruction movement or anything about this, um, you can listen to our last podcast. The first one is just, it says part one. So this is part two. So (laughs) easy to figure out. But yeah, I actually was kind of shocked that this was going to be a two-part series, maybe even a three-part series. We'll see. There's a lot to talk about. Um, Especially with the launch of our podcast. I was like, gosh, we have so many tools for helping someone follow Jesus. But the first thing they need to do is believe in him. Not not stop following. (laughs) Yeah, so before you can be a radical follower of Jesus. You need to not stop. Wait, stop not follow. follow. (laughs) You need to just follow him. It's a negative. It doesn't work. Yeah, so let's follow him. But um, what's the number one lie? What's the first thing? Not first thing as in order of importance, but what's the first thing that's the lie? Is that? Are you kidding me? Because I want you to say it. I was like, and to you, Jesse. Oh, well, the first lie we talked about last week. And to you, Jesse. The first lie is that it produces an authentic faith, which we talked about last week. Oh, like a little teaser. Yeah, but this week... I forgot that a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, the second I mean, it was a whole week ago. (laughs) Yes, this week we're talking about how this is a new idea for growth. Aren't we so edgy and authentic? Growth, growth, growth. 
And so edgy, so authentic, so real. <laughs> yeah, so sorry, we're feeling a little crazy. Let me that. tell you about what's going on with my truths. This week is different than last week. And it's real because I said. Last week we were feeling more emotional on the subject. This week we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and we're just feeling funny. Is that what happened? <laughs> All right, we anyway. weren't before, so disregard everything. In the last <laughs> we don't. We didn't have the Holy Spirit in the last one. So. <laughs> no, we did. I did. You didn't. <laughs> well, if you were a good Baptist, you believe that the Holy Spirit enters upon salvation. I'm so. not a Baptist, though. So. I know. But okay. Anyway, were. Parker. Where in the Bible do we see the first moment of the deconstruction movement? Drum roll. Genesis chapter 3. No, shock. Uh, deconstruction is so new. Deconstruction is so wow. Deconstruction is so trend E. Except that. Except that. You will it's see. The oldest trick in the gall darn book, and it is. The best trick in the book as well, and that's why people continually think it's new every time that <laughs> and happens. And Parker Green, how many times does deconstruction movements happen in the Bible? Well, even within the Christian faith, we read about it in the epistles. We read about it, I mean, liberal Christianity a hundred years ago and everything in between. And, and Parker, what does Jesus do when tempted with the deconstruction movement in the desert? He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Funny, funny, funny. I so, shall I shall not worship anything but God alone. Yeah. Man is not made to worship himself. Okay, so let's talk about Or Satan for that matter. Genesis Worshiping Satan's three. bad. Genesis. All right, three. we'll just read it. We're gonna read through it and we're gonna gonna just have some fun with this. It's almost like a Bible study. Place. It's like everyone that's listening to the reading the Bible with Jesse, it's gonna feel a little bit more like that. This podcast. It's good you guys are doing that. I don't read That's the Bible. on the Salt Podcast. Yeah. Not this podcast. Shameless plug, lateral move, other <laughs> podcast, Salt Churches. This advertisement is brought to you by Salt Churches. Yeah. We don't even get paid by Salt Churches <laughs> to do these advertisements. We do them for free because we just really like it. <laughs> all right. We don't get paid by salt at all. <laughs> no, that's also true. Okay, so Genesis 3, verse... 3, we'll start one. at 3. It says... No, we'll wait, start at verse 3. This is verse 1, though. That's 3, verse 1. Oh, it is? Yeah, because yeah, then right. see Oh, yeah, 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 gotcha. Okay, so... Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, this is the serpent talking, Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Okay, so we don't even have to go further right now because what does the root of the deconstruction movement ask? It essentially asks, did God really say first and then it makes everything about Christianity and everything about following Jesus. Well, not just that, but prohibitive. It's hmm. like all these things are holding you back from the real truth. Did you know the real truth is out there? God's holding out on you. Well, and as well as the church and fellow believers. Yeah, so the first thing it does is it questions God's everything. character. Well, it questions <laughs> God's character, so right. therefore everything else. Okay, so the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, 
You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Okay, so I just want to stop here for a second because actually this is really interesting to me because in this verse, um, in verse 3, Eve is actually giving wrong information to the serpent. Which might be Adam's fault. Right. No. So here's the thing. Okay. So Adam, let's just say Adam got the word from God and he says to Eve what she's supposed to do and not do. And God never said that they could not touch it. They would die. God originally said to Adam and Eve in chapter two of Genesis that they cannot eat from the tree of the garden, that they would die. But it says nothing about touching it. Right. And so right now you're giving an outlet to the enemy by just having wrong information. And so I think a lot, I just want to point out really quick with the deconstruction movement is a lot of times we're getting false information about God and it's it's because of church, it's because of a Christian leader, it's because of man, whatever it may be. Lots of different sources don't know who God is. And honestly, like I think even as us, we're ministers and preachers and stuff and we get things wrong all the time. Which is why, but so rarely, every, (laughs) which is why every single believer actually needs to go straight to the source. You personally need to have a relationship with Jesus, right? And be needing to read the Word of God, because if Eve would have talked to God herself and just said, "God, can we touch the tree of the garden?" She wouldn't have actually had that wrong information. So actually, her not having the right information is what actually opened up a door for the enemy. Right. As well as this deconstruction. And I know going through the Bible for some of you, maybe if you're in the midst of doing this right now, of this deconstructing thing, you would consider it a bad argument because it's an appeal to authority, right? So you're using authority to convince people of something. Here's what I'd say about the Bible. I would say if the Bible were written, if I were to write a Bible in a particular way, I and I was a Jewish person, I would make the Jews look unbelievable throughout the entire Old Testament. But what we read is a story of pretty much complete failure (laughs) throughout the entire Old Testament, the failure of mankind, whereas in almost every other mythology, mankind looks a lot better than they do um, in this um, Mm. book. Um, So Yeah, like um, if I was going to write a book about like our kids and our family, I'd be like, we are awesome every day. Right, take this story. Look at Instagram. Yeah, look and look (laughs) at yeah, look at the story of David. David as a microcosm. He's overseeing the writing of that book most likely himself, and it still talks about Bathsheba, which is just insane. Yeah. Um, and him killing his really good friend and all that stuff. But we'll move on. All right, so we're on verse four. Verse four. So. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Was that a good serpent voice? No. You will not certainly die. No. The serpent I feel said like to the he's woman. like more like convincing. Oh. Like. You'll not die. Certainly. Like that? <laughs> I don't know. The serpent said to the woman. You don't want to sound like for, a serpent. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't know serpents were bad at the time. So. No, I'm saying like you in your real life. Okay. For God <laughs> knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, do you want to start on that? You want me to start you, on that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, crazy you thing. Did I make like a face? Ah, like, okay. I, I'm going to explode. <laughs> so, the original temptation is not to be evil, the original temptation is to be like God. 
is to know better, is to know truth, is to be Dare more say, transparent, Oprah. more real, <laughs> more like one with the universe, more like good and better. Like I'm like God in the fact that I accept all people. I'm intolerant of nobody or I accept all ideas. Which is ironic because Romans says that there's no one good on the earth. Yeah. So nobody's good from the start. So we don't deserve salvation. Blah, blah, blah. So all the deconstruction movement advocates that are saying, you know, I left my faith, but like, let's still love people and be kind. Yeah. Like that's Jesus idea, not yours. Yeah. <laughs> well, the root of it is, is that they essentially think human beings are good. And we know from history that they're not. All right. So we don't even need to look at the Bible. Um, knowing good and evil. So we have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, what that temptation is, essentially, is saying that be like God and decide what good and evil is for yourself. So we'll go on to verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, podcasts, <laughs> YouTube, new books that make you feel good in your belly, she took some and ate it. She also gave them to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. So, Idiot! So what's funny Adam, is... Adam, you blew it. What, I think the funniest thing about the deconstruction movement is, is every person that says they're on this journey is like, I'm doing this for myself. I just want to be able to like figure this out in my faith for myself. It's my own journey. But yet somehow they want to share their deconstructive lives with everyone. Yeah, they put it on blast. <laughs> It's like, I'm not a Christian anymore. I have no faith. It's on blast. It's on blast. Well, at Crossway Books, I Kiss Dating Goodbye is still on sale, and I wonder if he's still getting the check. No, he actually <laughs> told them to stop. Oh, really? Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. He doesn't believe that in Jesus genuine. anymore. That not at all? Yeah. Wow. But he he actually told them to stop producing that book. Just stop printing it? Yeah. Wow. It was kind of a weird book, though. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, anyway. All right. (laughs) We're getting off track here. It was a weird book. Okay. Um, All right. Verse 7. Yeah. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You got anything on that? Well, basically that they both feel enlightened. So the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So a lot of people coming out of this deconstruction or even the evangelical movement feel like they have this heightened enlightenment. The secret knowledge. They know something that all of us foolish faith people will never have until we destroy all of our faith. Yeah, the difference is we all know we're naked, man. Everybody knows they have flaws. Every single person. Well, and also here's the truth is... The way that you truly have wisdom and understanding is by going to the source of wisdom and understanding. And so I would actually like to even say that I actually think that having raw faith in God and being transformed by him maybe enlightens you even more. Well, especially when you take the Hebrews verse, like it's actually there's substance and proof for your faith. Yeah. So when you invest yourself into God, you can see the fruit of what that produces, and that's the substance of it. It's just crazy. Okay, so, so there's anyway, a reason for it. But every person that goes through this, they believe that they have their eyes now open to see something. Right. 
So they sewed some fig leaves together because they realized they were naked. So they went from being conscious of God to conscious of themselves. So self-conscious, like, crap, we're naked, we're exposed, we're open, we're out in the open. We need protection of some sort um, from God, from the elements, from the things around us. Makes me think of that Weezer song. Like, if you want to destroy my sweater, no. We should give all our love to each other. Little side note, Jesus curses a fig tree right at the base of the Temple Mount. Really fun story. Look into that a little bit deeper when we talk about figs. It's pretty cool. All right, then. Verse The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God coming, Lord God, among the trees of the garden. So the first fruit of deconstructing your faith is... Hide from God. Hiding from God and community. Hide from God. True... Yeah, and they're realizing they're covering themselves from each other as well, which is the first time that that happens. So the f- the first family is divided um, and no longer has true intimacy, and I hide from God, and they no longer have true intimacy with Him. But alas, our amazing God. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? So you see the responsibility resting on the man's shoulders because he was in charge of the garden, and he was silent while the woman was being tempted. So... Men of truth that are silent throughout this process in people's lives are not loving men. They are full of cowardice, I would say. Okay, so verse 10. Verse 10. He answered. This is man. Yeah. The man, Adam, Adam, Adam answered. The Adam, the man answered. I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And the Lord says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? I'll just read through this whole part. Yeah. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Watch okay, how, time out. Yeah, Wait. You go ahead. You That's so one. good because almost every single person that is led into the deconstruction movement launches into this thing from a victim mentality. Mm-hmm. And so we see in verse 12, the man said, the woman put her you put here with me she gave it to me so it's like someone else's fault and so a lot of times people are like well i have to deconstruct my faith because it's someone else's fault something happened to me blah 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 evangelicalism this pastor this word this this is happening around me and that's where i would say listen to our first podcast don't be a victim because the victim mentality will just destroy you and i actually think it's so funny because women that are like female empowerment like Jesus feminists like Sarah Bessie is like a leader of the deconstruction movement. And y'all like hate this verse of basically the woman getting blamed in the garden. But yet it's just so ironic to me because it's like you're partnering with this like it's just the same thing. It's just so I always feel like it's so like The woman cyclical. was deceived, but the man was a coward. And you see the same thing over and over and over and over, and over again. again. Right. The man was the coward and should have done something and united with his wife instead of doing the stupid thing. Okay. So verse 13. Then the Lord said, God said to the woman, what is this you have done? By the way, still, God is a personal God. And in the original Hebrew, it is both Elohim and Yahweh. So it's both personal and Lord God. It's one of the few times in the Bible that it says Lord God together. So he's having a personal conversation, but he's still in charge. It's wild. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, 
The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Again, not having personal responsibility, but abdicating responsibility. Right. And the truth is, is the enemy is here to deceive us all. He wants to rob you from life and life more abundantly. And even Richard War himself says that that going through the process of deconstruction actually produces deeper sadness. Mm. Does that sound like a God that wants John 10, 10, that came to give you life and life more abundantly? Or does it sound like someone like the enemy that came to steal, kill, and destroy? And so the enemy is trying to deceive you. So don't be deceived. Pursue life and joy and peace and patience and kindness and the fruits of the Spirit. Whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is noble. Yes. Upon such things. Okay, so verse 14. All right, so the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So we see the promise of salvation. They're hidden within the curse of the serpent, which is a beautiful thing. 16. And also women are supposed to be at war with the enemy. The devil particularly hates women because they're a gateway of eternity. They grow eternal beings in their bodies which is the wildest thing that you could possibly think of. So the picture of a child being born is a picture of Jehovah God's eternal nature, his newness every single day. So the fact that family lines continue reminds the devil every single day that God is eternal, and it drives him crazy because his judgment's coming. And alas, we have more abortions. I wonder why that is. The devil hates. And I'm not even saying that from like a critical, obviously, if anyone knows like a minute of my No, maybe like a broad macro perspective. Like we know that the devil hates procreation. Be fruitful and multiply. He hates that. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. So we see a a degeneration of the true partnership between man and woman because men are physically stronger in a dangerous world you see for at least 10 to 15,000 years. Um, And in most societies, them ruling over women and treating them like property. When God originally put women in place, he said, I will make them, the, the literal Hebrew translation is, I will make him a helper equal to him. Which is how even, like, the church family is supposed to function. Right. And yet we still are seeing the wrestle of that. And God himself calls him helper, himself helper, multiple times. Yeah. Verse 17. To Adam he said, Because you've listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So here we see the same thing in deconstruction. The curse is evident in the fact that mankind, especially men, this is what we lean towards, is working this thing out ourselves. 
Hmm. And what this continually so the produces. the opposite of the tree of life. The tree of life is something we tend and it produces fruit. We do not work the ground by the sweat of our brow. God's grace gives us the ability to tend the things well that and we And the have free gift of faith. Right. So, and then he tells him he's eventually going to die, essentially. Dust you are, to dust you shall return. So he's separated from life. And a lot of times what we see in this process is people separate themselves from things that give them true life. And you start to see the fruit of that. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife clothed them. So you see God make the first animal sacrifice here and cover their nakedness, which is just unbelievable. God makes the first and the last sacrifice in the Bible. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the men out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So to sum up right here, the oldest trick in the book is initially, hey, did God really say that? Hmm. Does God really mean that? Is God really true? Is God really loving? How could there be a God that sends people to hell? How could there be a God that allows for sickness? How could there be a God that allows for natural disasters? Every single one of these questions is a legitimate question that people have been wrestling with for 2,000 years. For 2,000 years. They're legitimate human questions because where's the sense of justice? What's going on? What happens when innocent people die without, without hearing the gospel? What are all these questions that we need answers to that we genuinely need to wrestle with? What do we, where do we go from here? Well, and the truth is, is that faith is actually just a gift that's given to us. And the thing is, is like, there's this deep root in us where like, we feel like there's this, like there, there is more to life. We can all feel that in us. Yeah. And we believe that there's, there's so much more to be experienced. You know, it says like eternity is in our hearts. And so I think many of us like wrestle with this tension almost. Like I know we do all the time of like, the fullness of God and his promises and that eternal life that we're promised, you know, I just think about the fact that having that faith in God, it really is having the confidence, certainty, trust, and assurance of him. That's what faith truly even is. And so if you're deconstructing that, you're literally doing just the opposite thing of faith. So let's say there's these two trees in the garden and there's this tree of life. And eating from that tree of life, it produces more certainty, more assurance, more of God's goodness and the things that you're actually wanting. Mm. And then this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, a lot of people think it's like an opposing thing. Like it's like this tree of death. Right, right. But that's not necessarily what it is. It's it's you becoming your own God. Yeah, it's human knowledge. It's, 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 the, right. it's humanism. It's the Tower of Babel. It's... The nature gods, it's the philosophers, it's all those things wrapped Which up Which is so in- ironic, because we, like, just spoke about this at the Project Searchlight thing. Because it's, like, it's that whole, like, being convinced that the things of this earth are more real than yes. eternity. It's materialism. So Truly. And the, can you kind of break down yeah. when you say materialism? So, in America, when we say materialism, we've cheapened the meaning um, into, like, oh, you need to buy a bunch of stuff. Like, get a, get nice things. 
um, and consume nice things and accumulate nice things. What materialism actually is, the original meaning, the first meaning of materialism essentially means that you believe that this world is the realest world that there is, that what you all, all the things that you observe are the only things that are real. Um, what's happening around you, what you can te- see with your five senses or sense with your five senses are the only things that are actually real. So you may be living as a materialist and not you realize, realize it. it. Yeah. So, yeah. so a lot of people are like, oh, I'm, I'm not very materialistic. And then you're like, well, but how do you live? Right. Do you live like money is the most important thing in your life? Do you live like feeling good about the things around you are the most important things in life? Do you believe that, you know, only by scientific observation can you find the meaning of life, which science hasn't never actually set out to answer? Right. Um, So uh, many of those things are like many of the things that we think are just like an idea that we have root from this materialistic idea that's a very Western, Western idea. Um, Well, and I think something that's so important, and we're going to just wrap this up in a little bit, but I just want to say, like, it's so... Why? Let's just talk forever. (laughs) People might have a long drive. Because I have a meeting later today. Oh, so important. You're going to cross it. But I do want to just touch on this one thing, and if we need to do another podcast on this, we will. But, like, for example, I just think Jesus, in his life, when you look through the Gospels, he's constantly revealing that there's so much more to this earth than what we can see. So you see this main, I would say the main message of Jesus's life was repent for the kingdom of heaven is available to you. So now turn away from your old way of thinking, your old way of living, your old sinful nature, turn away from eating the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil from eating from that tree, because now you have an option for life. Yeah. And something that's so significant about that is because now Jesus is not just saying turn away from this life and come to this other thing by blind faith. Right. He displays it. He's showing the power that actually comes from the tree of life and living from the Father. And so I think that's something that's so significant for this age is is if you are a believer Jesus says that this is your life. This is what your life looks like. And I think that's why the Holy Spirit is so important and lacking in the church. And so I feel like people are wrestling with this stuff because they're not seeing the fruit of what Jesus demonstrated. And so Daniel Kalenda, who's a powerful evangelist, he recently posted a picture from, I believe it was Kenya, of thousands of people turning to the Lord. Tens of thousands. Blinds, blind eyes being open, miracles happening, right? And so it's like, this is what's available to you. This is what's available by faith. This is like the the life that we're called to. And so, I, I don't know, maybe we need to do a podcast on this, but I actually feel like the issue is, is we live in a tension with our doubts, and we live in a tension of our unbelief because some we're, things are not problems to solve. Well, and also like we're on an earth that's not completely redeemed yet, and so I think the issue is is most people what they actually need is discipleship in the truth and not deconstruction. Yeah, I think there's there's a few things here that you're talking about where I would say to some of these deconstructionists, if you don't believe that these miracles took place in the Bible. Okay, fine. We'll start from there. So did Thomas Jefferson ripped out all the pages in his Bible that had miracles in them because he believed in the teachings of Jesus, 
but couldn't bring himself to believe in miracles because maybe he hadn't seen them in his own life. But he owns slaves as well, and nobody's perfect. So here's the thing. I would say to you, um, it takes more faith to start tearing this thing apart. And here's my, my argument there. You have to have so much faith in your own ability to reason through this, in your own heart, in your own mind, and come out the other end with the right concept of reality around you, in yourself, who you didn't trust in the first place, who for the first 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life, whatever point you got to where you had a crisis or something happened that triggered this deconstruction, up until that point, you trusted these things. And now you're going to trust yourself again in order to come to your conclusions. And the other thing I would say is, if you don't believe in the miracles in the Bible, that's fine. Take a look around you. Why are you conscious? Why do you know who you are? How can you look at yourself and think about your own thoughts? How can you describe the beginning of the universe, which science years ago thought was essentially eternal. And then they're like, wait, it had a starting point. And science is always changing to its credit. It's always changing. But if you don't believe in the infallibility of the Bible, fine. But look at the things around you that are happening and how much faith you have to have in yourself, humanism, in order to get through that dark place that so many of these writers are talking about. It's on you. You have to have so much faith in your ability to know the knowledge of the tree of good and evil and decide good and evil for yourself. I think it's honestly, personally, I think it's crazy how much faith that would take in your own ability to reason through this problem. Yeah. And so my question is, is who's convinced you that you, you know, everything, maybe not God. Yeah. And I see people looking for help or re reading books or doing whatever, but you can do that about any subject. In the end, you're going to make up your own mind. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm just going to pray and we'll wrap this up. And uh, if there's any questions or thoughts, just leave a comment or a message or DM us on Instagram or on Facebook or something. But we'd love to talk to you about this. And if this is interesting to you, let us know if you'd like us to do a third um, one or even a fourth one. If this is a conversation. Fifth needed, one, sixth one, a hundredth one. Yeah. I mean, there are some more solutions here. And if we need to offer more solutions to, to getting through periods like this, because we all have dips in our We faith. go through this stuff all the time ourselves I mean, yeah we can tell the story about the baby we prayed for and we didn't get the result we wanted and like let's talk about that next podcast actually because i think that's a good story to illustrate what wrestling with your faith when something doesn't fit your paradigm looks like okay all right jesus i just thank you so much for this time together and i just pray that every single person listening right now that they would actually experience your tangible presence god I thank you, God, that you actually are not this like ethereal idea or this man-made construct, but you're actually a living God. Jesus, I thank you that you rose from the dead and you actually give us the power and the faith to even be saved. And so I pray that you would stir within our spirits right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would stir within us our faith and increase our ability to trust in you and any demonic voices or thoughts or ideas that are meant to destroy us. Right now, I just command them to flee 
in Jesus' name. And any person listening to this that is in any kind of bondage or wrestling with doubt, I just break that doubt right now by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And I ask that you would set every single listener completely free and that they would walk in boldness and courage to send those around them into the same freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to the Jesus Plus Nothing podcast. We hope you're encouraged, inspired, challenged, transformed. Adjectives. Lots of different things. Jess, where where can they hear more about us? On greenhouseacademy.org or hit us up on Facebook and send us a message and we'd love to connect with you. Just type our names in somewhere. Yeah, just Google. Just Google us. I'll be like the third or fourth one or thousandth one down and Jess will be somewhere in the cup. All right, so we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.